there. The reading of the word, <clears throat> Romans 8.1, Therefore there is now no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, there is, uh, Romans 8 kind of is entitled Life Through the Spirit. Uh, and what I want to ask is, do you need a helper? Because the, through, the, through the Holy Spirit, he's there to help us, to comfort us. Uh, there's a lot of times that uh, people need a help, helper. Uh, Adam <clears throat> was sent by God to take over the garden. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he, he named all the animals, and his task was to take care of the garden. And God saw that it was almost good because Adam needed a helper. So God created Eve. Uh, athletes need coaches. I don't know if you've ever been a, um, an athlete where the, you really have to strain and, and, and train and do the things that is amazing. Um, we've had some kids who have been in either gymnastics or soccer, um, and when you get a, a kid wants to be a gymnast, and now you've probably seen people do backflips, how does the body learn how to jump up and land, flip backwards in the air and land on your feet? Or do a cartwheel? You know, they have to have a coach there to, to hold them while they train their muscles to get muscle memory. And they jump and uh, get in the right position, then slowly that coach is holding less and less, only there for in case they fall so they're not afraid. And then they've got it. And once they go from the, you know, the beam that's this far off the ground to one that's this far off the ground, uh, the coach is still there helping them to flip over and catch them when they fall. Um, but you can't do it on your own. You can't learn things on your own like that. What about um, <clears throat> students? Calculus. Calculus is based on algebra and geometry, and you need teachers to teach you that kind of stuff. I took algebra in high school, then went to Iowa State in engineering and jumped right into calculus without having geometry. That didn't work very well. That didn't work very well. Um, two years to pass one year of calculus. No, no, I, I didn't make it through Iowa State. But you have, to have the, you have to have the basis. You have to learn. You have to learn the normal, regular functions, and then algebra, and then geometry and some trigonometry. And then once you get into calculus, you know that you're just taking uh, smaller and smaller and smaller slices and putting them together, and then magically there's a formula that makes those slices so small you can, get a, you can calculate the area under a curve. Young parents, we've had a couple of uh, uh, grandkids get married in the last few years. We're going next week uh, into New England for our last daughter to get married. And young people, young people need relationships. They need relatives to learn the di different parts of being married. I mean, if, if young adults are getting married, if they're, they have a lot of younger siblings, you know, kids get married, and if they've got lots of siblings, chances are they've watched the parents change diapers. Chances are they've helped change the diapers of their younger brothers and sisters. They know how to take care of kids. But if you're the youngest sibling in the family getting married and you didn't have any aunts or uncles to do that with, the first time you change a diaper might be your own kid. That's not, you know, they need, they need relationships to others. They need family members to help them get along and do those things. And uh, getting on, on with relationships in, an early, in, a, in a family. There are things that 
that you just don't pick out of the air. They have to be taught by other people who love you. And in Paul's letter to the Romans, <clears throat> he's describing a lot of things uh, uh, to the Romans. First of all, it's written to the Romans, not the Jews. A lot of the other uh, letters in the New Testament were written to a Jewish congregation in various places, but this was lit written to the Christians in Rome. The foundation of our Western civilization is Rome. The Eastern civilization is more uh, based on in Turkey or Syria or the Middle East. We have the Eastern Orthodox, the Orthodox Christian Church is very different from the Western, the Catholic and the Protestant churches from uh, Europe. So, you know, our history, uh, our Western civilization comes from Rome. That's why I like so much uh, the, Paul's book to Romans, because he's explaining everything, because they did not have that background in the Old Testament. You know, the, the other people in Israel and the Middle East, they had thousands of years of following the Jewish tradition and knowing about the law. What does the law mean? So briefly, just to uh, set the stage for chapter 8, in Paul's letter to the Romans, first of all, he talks about the universal guilt that all mankind shares and knows. I mean, he mentioned that, and that's important, because it's just part of the culture uh, of Israel at the time. And he explained that both Gentiles and Jews were under the condemnation of the law. Because the law required perfection to be right with God, you had to follow all those things in the Jewish law. And nobody could do that. And just because the Romans weren't raised in that way, the Roman Christians, because they were not raised with the Jewish tradition, there was no excuse. Ignorance is no excuse for the law. That's God's law. It applied to everybody. And then he had to explain about the death and resurrection of Christ in chapter 5, about how that brings salvation because the penalty from the law, the penalty for not being able to keep the Mosaic, the Ten Commandments and all the laws, of the, all the laws, was death because we're not perfect. And what kind of penalty was, was required? Oh, well, you know about Yom Kippur, the annual blood sacrifice uh, for the sins of Israel. It required a blood sacrifice. And how Christ was that perfect, sinless Lamb of God. Paul had to explain that to the Romans because it was not part of their tradition. Growing up in Italy instead of in Israel. And that through Christ's salvation on the cross, uh, he can, oh, by our faith, the, the, the justification that Christ brings through his death and resurrection can come to us through faith. And because of that, in chapter 6, he talks about how we have to live as though our fleshly bodies was dead to sin, but the mind of Christ was within us, and so we want to follow God. That leads to, in chapter 7, a whole lot of about talking about the struggles of the old law and the new law. Paul had really issues with chapter 7. And it's, it's just... He, he's constantly in this battle between good and evil. Him wanting to do good, but part of the flesh wants to do evil. And you know, it's, it's written up in our, in our, uh, in our uh, society, in our, in our culture. You've got the little, all the pictures of a little angel whispering in one ear and a little 
the demon or the flesh whispering in the other ear as we try and uh, battle within our lives. That. And Paul says in verse 15, For what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, that I do. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. He's at a, a battle in his mind. I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil that I want to do, this I keep on doing. And in fact, he says, you know, he's, he has this internal conflict. Even in our culture, you know, you've seen in the movies, Spock was thoroughly conflicted when he was battling in his mind. Not many, many Star Trek fans. No, Spock, he was conflicted at one time. <clears throat> so Paul says, uh, in my inner heart, I de- well, I, I am, in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war, this war, this in- spiritual battle in his mind, making a, him a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. He's got this, got these two these two problems the law the law of sin and the flesh and the holy spirit filling him and battling what's he going to do he says verse 24 what a wretched man i am what a wretched man i am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death that's true the body is subject to death but our mind our soul when we accept christ goes on forever with with the heavenly father and what's the answer to that? Uh, well, the Father who brought Jesus Christ onto the world, who paid the penalty for our sin, who sent us the Comforter, the Holy Spirit to live, the Holy Spirit to the rescue, because what a wretched, what a wretched people we are battling in our soul. So Paul closed out 25 by saying, Thanks be to all, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says that he himself is a slave to God's law. In himself, he's a slave to God's law, but the sinful nature, he's still a slave to sin. So there's this battle going on. <clears throat> so when he said, he, what a wretched man I am, he was calling himself wretched, but in the very next uh, chapter, next verse, therefore there's no condemnation. He's just saying no. Self-condemnation, that's no. You can't condemn yourself. You can't have a, a pity party about the way you sin, the way you don't do what God wants you to do. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set us free from the law of sin and death. What the law... And the reason this is important, because what the law was powerless to do, which is follow all the rules and all the commandments, because it's weakened by the flesh, God did. God did what was required. God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be that sin offering. And that's one of the things that he had to explain to the Romans, the Western society, who wasn't raised with that, you know, we're Western society. Now, sometimes, you know, maybe we don't grasp that in order to be acceptable to God, you have to be perfect, but we can't be, accept- we can't be perfect, so we're not accepted. So how does that work? Don't heap condemnation on ourselves because Christ died and rose. And that Holy Spirit is there 
to give us the, uh, the comfort. So the, uh, he condemned the sin in flesh that that righteous requirement might be fully met in us. Next one, there we go. So there's some uh, contrast in here in the middle of Romans. If you live by the flesh, your mind is set on the desires of flesh. If you live by the Holy Spirit, your mind is set on what the Spirit desires. Living by the flesh leads to death. Living by the Holy Spirit gives us life and peace. If you live by the flesh, you're hostile to God. You won't submit to God. You'll have this, you'll, you'll know you come up on a decision, you have to do the right thing, you know what it is, and if you don't let, let the helper, let that Holy Spirit help you and kind of coach you along, and like a, a coach gives you the muscle, gives a, an athlete the muscle memory and how to, how, to hit, how to reach out and hit that ball or how to do the block right or how to throw it, you have to be used to doing that so the Holy Spirit can give us the strength and the, uh, the habits to defeat the sin that our flesh wants to do. Because you're not in this alone. You're not in it alone. The Spirit gives life. And we have an obligation to put to death the misdeeds of the body that you and I will live. You know, about 20 or 30 years ago, there was a lot of phrases that came out kind of along with the, uh, um, the Jesus movement on the West Coast. Uh, and they, a lot of people, they talk about walking in the Spirit or, um, you know, walk with, walk with the Lord, walk with the Spirit, living by the Spirit. That was really brought out. I think because at that time in the, in that, the 60s, there was a lot, of, a lot of sin that was encouraged in the society, you know, of drugs and uh, the summer of love in, in San Francisco. And there, there was so much in our society that we were filled with it. And I'm so glad that a lot of the evangelists of that time that, you know, uh, came to uh, Youth for Christ or um, uh, YYN Youth at the Mission, they brought out, encourage and teach people, walk with the Spirit. Let, let the Holy Spirit be with you and give you strength. In verse um, <clears throat> 26 and 7, Paul talks about the Spirit helping us in our weakness. There are, there are times when we don't know what to pray because there, we don't know what to pray. So however you pray, however you pray, um, the Spirit can intercede for God's people in accordance with the, with the Word of God, the will of God. You can be facing an issue and you don't know how you don't know how to pray the Lord. You don't know how you're going to get through it. The Holy Spirit can work with you in your intercessory prayer. And you might know what the Spirit is praying through you. It might, you might not recognize it, uh, your, your special prayer language. You might not recognize it, but the very next verse says, don't worry, because we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose, because the Holy Spirit will only do what God wants him to do. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. In the very next verse, all things God works for those who love him and called according to his purpose. There's lots of... Um, there we go. Oops. 
Now, a lot of other parts in the New Testament where Jesus talks about, that's not in Romans. Like, I am the vine. Um, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I think a lot of times we hear this verse and we think about that we have to remain with Jesus. He says, um, if you remain in me. So we think this is a big job that we got to do. We got to work hard to remain or abide. Abide is used a lot of times. Or stand with stand with Jesus. And that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard. But the next phrase is, and I in you. Jesus is saying that he, through the Holy Spirit, will be standing with us, will be abiding us, will be living with us. That makes it a whole lot easier. That's, that's that extra help that we don't have until, you don't have until you're a Christian. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Romans 6, 7 says, We know our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. You know, a lot of times people say, put to death, you know, your body, or we die with Christ. That's why we take communion. We, you know, remember Christ died for our sin. And many of those phrases that we, you know, put our sins to our flesh to death with Christ. Because that's the paying the penalty that God demanded for forgiveness of sin, is the death. And so if we put our flesh to death with Christ and then take on a new life, and take on a new life, we will no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So that circle is supposed to be around the word died. And then the arrow goes to free from sin, but it reformatted itself. But you know what I mean, right? You die to the flesh, you know, um, spiritually you die to the flesh and you take on the, the, the holiness of Christ and his justification and it's just as if we didn't sin when God looks at us. In Titus, they talk about some of these gifts of the, of the work of the Holy Spirit. He saves us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Colossians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. Well, the old one is gone. The new one is here. That's a special thing that we as believers can call upon the helper, the, uh, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, like a coach to help us be strong in our mind as we try and try and do that battle and we want to succeed over that battle with sin. In John, Jesus says, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. That's, that's the difference between the world. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit to guide them in their life. You can't expect people who are not filled with the Spirit to act like a Christian. They're going to do crummy things. They're going to attack us. They're going to attack Christians. They're going to uh, call us crazy. They're going to try and get our children to, uh, uh, to fall into sin, get us to fall in sin through the media and through all kinds of things. 
the world cannot receive the spirit of truth because the world does not see him or know him, but you know him. We know God. We know Christ. We know the Holy Spirit. And, what, and where, is the, where is him? Because he dwells within you and will be with you. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. A people set apart is what we are. Uh, New International Version uh, says advocate. The King James Version says comforter. Um, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, different words, but the same concept. Romans 8.31, the, towards the end of the chapter, uh, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. If God is with us, who can ever be against us? Not even ourselves. And that goes right back to the first sentence in this chapter. Therefore, is there now no condemnation on ourselves? Don't, don't condemn yourself because your, your inability to do what you want to do. I mean, I mean, the Apostle Paul had that kind of problem. You know, you, um, call for the Holy Spirit to help you with that. Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died no more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and interceding for us. Uh, towards the end of Romans and the end there, there we go. <clears throat> for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. No matter what you read on TV or you see in the news or the people come marching down the street trying to separate us and keep us out of uh, the places that God wants us to be, uh, there's nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is for all believers. It's not just a special group. It's for everyone. Uh, Corinthians, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? And then at the very beginning of Acts, suddenly there's that uh, sound like a blowing a violent wind came from heaven and the whole house was uh, where they were sitting and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them, because we're led by the Spirit. So I just pray that the, the, the Spirit would fill each of us with the power to not be like Paul, fighting back and forth in his mind, should I do this or do that, but give us the strength and the power to, to, be, uh, to be strong. And uh, if the worship team would come up... <clears throat> And we thank you for the word today. And so after, after church, um, up in this corner, I'll be over there and be glad to lift anybody in prayer if they want.